This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. We're in the second hour of the show and this is where uh, we're shifting our focus now to COP28, uh, that conference taking place in Dubai. It has been sitting, uh, those conversations were ongoing, they've started uh, or they started really on the 30th of November. Uh, This is where we see them move all the way uh, to uh, the 12th of December, really under the spotlight when you look at uh, what is happening here, uh, critical discussions on pivotal issues uh, where issues of climate uh, is concerned uh, the agenda here including those conversations uh, the reflection as well around the temperatures and where we find ourselves here uh, they're talking about really the support for vulnerable communities here uh, that are also impacted by issues of climate change uh, so they're talking about the achievement of a net zero emission here uh, this being by 2050 and uh, there's just a lot of talk and this particular weekend uh, we've been experiencing the heat a lot of people saying it's linked uh, you know the el nino is one of those that are playing out here one moment you'll see it's snowing right uh, you won't be shocked uh, because of uh, these weather patterns adverse sometimes that we tend to find ourselves uh, just buckling under uh, but cop 28 is meant to ensure here uh, that it pushes the United Nations, the 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference uh, to ensure here uh, that uh, we tackle some of these issues and communities can borrow from each other's script here in terms of how to go about uh, these particular uh, climate crises. Uh, Loazi, good morning, sir. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing, Loazi? No, man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Interesting topic that you've got there. Uh, it's quite an interesting topic, and I think um, we are probably at the foundation um, mm-hmm. phase of uh, COP28 as an African country, and I'll explain that a bit, but it's good to be on the show. Yeah, no, it's lovely to have you on. Uh, and yeah, man, I mean, you should have been there in Dubai. We should have been crossing live to you now. <laughs> 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 From Dubai, you're breaking it down and you're bringing it home uh, to say this is what is happening. But very, very crucial is uh, this conference that we see uh, really uh, take place. Uh, and uh, it's only its 28th installment when you look at uh, those critical conversations. Others even saying that it's a race against time uh, when you look at how Mother Nature and just the Climate is tending to also uh, become a little bit aggressive here, uh, where it's reminding all of us to heed uh, the call here, uh, which is something that we've seen the United Nations try to, ch- to champion over time around these particular uh, discussions. And also, when you look at it, it's not just a three-day conference; it's a two-weeks uh, conference. Uh, this kind of tells you of the magnitude of the conversations that are being held there in Dubai. No, absolutely. Um, and, and one of the reasons, it's a good point, one of the reasons why even the time that it is taking where they are, it becomes a bit extended. It is a very much more inclusive um, COP28 that we're seeing. Uh, just to take it back a bit, when COP actually started, it was just a group of the most powerful nations in the world. I remember we had COP7 at a time, and then it became COP8. What needs to be understood is when the biggest industries in the world, which were built from industries like engineering, manufacturing, which used up a lot of, there was a lot of uh, even electricity um, manufacturing or gas burning countries and coal. 
the earth, the atmosphere, right, sort of became a bit, you know, mm. destroyed. And then these are powerful nations. Eventually, it's now at COP28. You see some African countries that are in there, and that is because of influence. When globalization means more countries are now sitting at the table and having to come up with strategies on how we solve this global uh, problem. And uh, the good news is there's a lot of opportunities uh, for the African continent. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing... President Cyril Ramaphosa also come through to say we need to see more countries as well from Africa being included in copying these conversations. There are talks around also the fund that would tend to support some of the most vulnerable of communities or some of the sectors that are vulnerable to what is happening here. Over time, uh, the emissions have been one of the issues of concern that they've raised over time. Also talking about the uh, global ambition of uh, just uh, the net zero, uh, this by uh, the year uh, 2050. When you look at the impact on the ground, do you reckon really indeed uh, that most of the rural communities, uh, rural uh, countries or some of the uh, you know most developing countries, those that are still trying to find uh, themselves, uh, that uh, they are the ones that we need to put our focus on uh, just to ensure that in terms of support here, in terms of intervention, uh, they are not left to uh, you know to dry in the uh, because uh, we did not plan for for them uh, as, as part of this global community. I think uh, that speaks to especially one of the fortunate things about. Um the deteriorating um, uh, ozone layers across the world is that there's an opportunity cost for African nations. And everything is about our perspective towards to the challenges of the world and how we fit in. So when we look at COP and the whole climate, <clears throat> um, the whole climate change issue, mm. there's an opportunity cost for African nations. And where you find that, I'll give you one example, burning coal and these fossil fuels is what's destroying the environment. However, the shift would have to go into the buzzword currently electric vehicles using renewables and all of that. And where the opportunity cost lies for African nations, there's two opportunity costs. One, we still have a fairly very stable continent in comparison to any other place in the world where we've got the vegetation and we've got the minerals that are able to sustain us because we haven't damaged our environment as much. As much as there's been mining, but we are blessed with vegetation. Number two, all the minerals that are needed to assemble an electric vehicle's infrastructure, where it is your charging stations or the lithium batteries that they so desperately need across the world, A to Z are found in Africa. What that means is, unlike before, where we were mined and we could not regulate the price, African nations now have a chance, hence they've been brought in to extension of the COP. Why they need African nations is because if African governments can regulate now the price of all these minerals that are going to be mined in our continent. For the next 150 years, we're going to be the richest continent for the next 150 years. And mm. the, the Chinese know this. And that's the opportunity cost. We're not going to be buying these electric vehicles as much. However, we can be the people that set the price for your lithium batteries. All these, all these minerals, A to Z of them are found in Congo. And I hope the Congolese people are sitting in those markets and working out how they're going to feed the rest of the continent because that's where the world is looking at Africa for.
Mm. And also when you look at, uh, you know, our ambitions as a country as well, uh, where the issues of the just energy transition is concerned yes. uh, here, yes. uh, that also speaks to us not wanting to uh, be left behind uh, where uh, some of these movements are concerned here. Uh, there's also a talk around uh, the Paris commitments. There are talks around uh, the global fund uh, that would help uh, some countries that are hard hit uh, when you look at uh, where we find ourselves. Do you reckon that as South Africa, we are there already? Uh, we are starting to really be in need because uh, the, 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 the ozone layers, like you've mentioned there, and, and some of the developments have not been kind to us. A reminder uh, that we too need some sort of a, a cushioning uh, where uh, some of these issues are concerned. I mean, we've seen what happened in KZN around issues of floods and the likes and others saying that those are part of the global impacts and we're already starting to feel it as well here at home. You're absolutely correct. There are pockets of mm. uh, examples of what global warming can do and it's a good thing you mentioned Durban. So you will find that in areas where there's tropical weather, if you are next to whether it's valleys where there's waterfalls and the, the, the earth is predominantly a bit significantly higher, you will find weather that is very strange. And also along the coastline. But for Africa, like I say again, that is not so detrimental to us because we have got the cure for that. That is what our opportunity cost needs to be. And it is not as hectic as the rest of the world. What we need to be aware of are the customers that are coming into Africa to get the minerals for the infrastructure for renewable energy um, resources like your new cars that are using the electric, these electric vehicles. The infrastructure for that won't be petrol, but it's going to be these charging stations and the actual batteries. They get, and the minerals for that are all in Africa. For clean air, mm. Africa is the one place that has got, again, all the minerals that you need and all the plants that you need for a clean environment for the next 400 years. And that gives us enough time as Africans to start designing new, uh, what do you call it, new trade policies to sell these minerals. Because otherwise, if, if, if we're looking at just the environment and the, the, the cost to fixing our environment, then we're not looking at the right place. Because our environment in Africa is not the most damaged. That's why you've got the big five-year the, 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 that is why the weather is what it is, and the minerals are still here. So the finished products are needed for the rest of the world. Mm. So there's no and way that you can have. So I was saying there's no way that you can have this conversation uh, without uh, in any way roping in uh, Africa, uh, because like you say, we become very important where some of these movements are concerned here. So which is, uh, I guess, uh, was prudent for uh, the president of South Africa, President Stella Ramaphosa, uh, to say that we need to see more, uh, you know, African countries just joining and forming part of a COP in terms of ensuring that we're not left behind here because of that critical role to play. Because he's aware, he understands the opportunity cost. Mm. Cyril Ramaphosa said this because there's there's about 54 countries in Africa Mm. and they all have a mineral that they are giving to the world. That is an opportunity cost for us. He says Mm. this. uh, And remember, South Africa is one of the gateways to the world, into Africa. It is a call to African leaders to say, guys, let's draw up frameworks. For example, there is a climate and health fund that is available at COP. 
there is a climate relief recovery. There's a health funding. All these are the different funds. There's a finance framework that's been drawn. And my concern is, are African leaders away? Are any of them sitting at this finance declaration? Because it's going to come back and hit us like the Bretton Woods, where we find ourselves, again, selling our minerals, and we'll be poor for the next 150 years. And we cannot, because we're buying electric vehicles. We're still going to burn a lot of coal, and there are communities that are dependent on that. But we've got the vegetation, we've got the minerals to back that. We need to focus on the customers that are so in a rush to draw finance frameworks around how they're going to save the globe. And if they're coming to Africa to buy it, we must be ready. We must be setting up shops. Yeah, no, you're right. So there's no way that uh, you see all of these things happening and South Africa and other African countries are not forming part of it. Uh, but also when you look at what has been happening over time, Loazi, uh, you hear uh, people talking about a balance, right, uh, where you'd see uh, climate uh, activists uh, talking about how we need to do away with coal as South Africa as is right now in terms of our ambitions around issues of uh, you know carbon mm-hmm. emissions and the net zero ambitions here uh, but others saying that it would be a disingenuous for us as a country right now to do away with coal uh, looking at the domestic challenges that we have uh, you know of energy whereby mm-hmm. we know coal is like our support base uh, where exactly. that is concerned and we see energy uh, just becoming a little bit of a tricky uh, space in uh, mm-hmm. because this is where uh, then investments also uh, move and flow uh, from here uh, to there uh, how do we balance it can we really in any way uh, do away with coal as we speak right now because others even pointing out the hypocrisy of some of these mm-hmm. nations to say mm-hmm. that do away with coal but they still come to mm-hmm. South Africa to try and source coal uh, for their nations uh, to really stabilize mm-hmm. their energy and 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 the likes. Where, where do you see us, uh, you know, where do you see these conversations around coal and can we really afford to do away uh, with coal as a country? So the issue of coal is a global issue. However, mm. the dynamics are different as per continent. Mm. Now, Africa, <clears throat> Africa's uh, problems can in no way be looked at as Europe's problems or South America's problems or East Asia's problems. And the, and the framework for us through that is it has to be written by us. Now, Africa is still going to be burning a lot of coal because we need to, because all the coal that has been being used was not to our benefit. Now, the rest of the world, especially the buyer's market, those countries, they, as much as Africa was responsible for them being such great nations, must understand that they need to now hold Africa's hand. Everybody needs to wait for everybody. They must wait for us to transition. And private sector has a role to play if they want to buy. If they want to buy, they're going to have to wait for us because we were there to build the rest of the world. And when we now need to keep burning some coal to keep our people warm because we cannot afford this new infrastructure that they want. We're going to sell them the minerals for a higher price because we know they can afford. And they must wait for us while we transition from coal. For example, in Pumalanga, coal supports more than a million people, a million people, to transition to electric for renewables in Pumalanga will feed less than 100 black families sustainably. It is a gamble we cannot take. And until 
the rest of the world understands that Africa's dynamics are not the same purchase plan that it is for Switzerland, for example, or for Germany, for example. We're going to exchange differently than we did before, and they will wait for us, or else we'll find other buyers who really need it, because we've realized that Africa actually has got enough minerals for the rest of the world, for everybody to eat, and we just need to put the right markup on our pricing. And we cannot have the same solution for what Europe needs as for what Africa needs. Mm, you're right. And it becomes important then for everyone to be on the same page here uh, where this is concerned. I mean, uh, when you look at uh, Minister Minister Gwedemantashe, uh, the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy, sometimes uh, even called a coal fundamentalist, uh, you know, by some of those that are advocating and pushing for a net zero. Uh, but you're saying that it's going to really come across as disastrous if we don't get our house in order and we don't... Uh, uh, we're not patient uh, with each other around issues exactly. of transition because, uh, I mean, we are looking at uh, achieving this net zero in 2050. Uh, here, uh, we are still in 2023. So we need about, what, 27 more years uh, to go uh, before we can say that uh, we are there at zero, zero, zero. So uh, it, it becomes very important how then we all are just in any way patient with each other support each other uh, to really go about how we see this fair. Before I let you go, what is your understanding of this fund uh, that is meant to help here? And are we really uh, seeing those Paris agreements and commitments coming forward uh, where uh, this uh, fund uh, to help other nations? This uh, Because it, it has really been a talk here uh, in terms of how do we ensure that we get a buy-in also uh, where other nations are concerned when we are not pushing to achieve uh, and roll out uh, that loss and damage fund associated to the climate mm-hmm. very good question and i like the fact that you even gave one one of the funds which is the loss and damage mm-hmm. fund there's a range of them there's a range of them there's your health climate fund and the main funder being the green climate fund now in south africa you mentioned we've got the just fund what mm-hmm. south africans need to do because i know they're going to be asking the question what's in it for us in South Africa, that money is already being dispersed. I was lucky to bump into the actual document that speaks of what's going to happen. Some of the companies that you find there are your Acelo Metals and some of these big corporates. So what our people need to do at local government level, municipality, people must go to the municipality and find out who is responsible for the just fund in this department, we would like to know, and is there a 30% for supply chain that goes into that community. So that communities, this is the easiest way communities become hand-in-hand of cookie jar. I call it the cookie jar. There is a 1.5 trillion that has just been put down. Mm. Looking at dollars for, for meetings that they have to say, these countries get that. So people must go to their local communities, all rural areas. I urge the people, mm. go there and find out what is going on in terms of the just funding in South Africa who is responsible, and they must work in groups as cooperatives mm-hmm. and say, we would like to be involved. We know that democratically, constitutionally, we should be involved. We are, we are part of this community, and we're going to be the driving business people for this. And, and, and it's, 
every single community in South Africa has got that responsibility that we go to these local government offices and we find out and we work in numbers. That's where the information will be dispersed, where they, <clears throat> if, if, if an official says in this part of the province we don't do it, ask for where they do do it, because mm-hmm. each and every province in this country has got the mandate and the just uh, fund is dealing with big corporates already that have got the biggest basket of this and it needs to filter down to our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we really, really need to see, uh, you know, uh, those conversations really threshed out and not us not left behind here uh, because we have our own representatives that are there uh, at COP, right? Uh, that will ensure exactly. or that they are representing us uh, and then we get the best out of everything else that is happening there uh, in a way that will also open it up and hopefully see a lot of other countries uh, in, in any way supported here uh, because when you talk issues of investments and the likes, uh, this is where then we see a lot of people uh, talking about uh, this and the transition becoming very, very important here. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how... Okay, then... Can I just say just one more thing? Yes, sir. Yes, thing. yes, Lozzy. My last thing as well, <clears throat> in the South African context, that's what our people should do. But there's an opportunity cost for South Africans. Now mm. is the time for them to start speaking to other Africans from other African countries. These guys mm. also know what's happening. And if we're working in numbers, it's intra-Africa trade. We, you are more powerful working as a group of countries. Let's also work with people from other countries and formulate these cooperatives. I want to go to Congo. They've got A to Z of these minerals. You know, so we should open us out of the country into mm. our neighbors. These guys have got the budget or they've got the minerals. They're in our country because, you know, there's situations in their country, but if we can go back there and have a look, you know, and open businesses with them, there's a million rand that the DTI gives you as an incentive for doing business with a foreign country. And we can, we whip them every single day um, and we should meet up with our foreign brothers. And it's a time now that we work in numbers. Yeah, no, that is very, very important here. And I guess we need to also have our own COP, you know, Africa COP, something that would see us starting the conversations here at home and then agreeing on what we are taking to the globe in terms of where we are. So, so yeah, so we need need to really have those conversations, even here at home, even if it's not a a continental thing, but a a South African thing. Yeah, where we prepare ourselves, right, uh, to form right. part and, and be not left behind. we all sing from the same hymn book. Uh, we all not caught off guard. Maybe when someone asks to say, where are you guys? And we know very well that uh, we all have the same answer to say, this is where we are and this is where we're going, where issues of climate and the likes are concerned. But let's wait and see. Uh, I mean, uh, Loazi, I mean, this is all the way to the 12th of uh, December. Uh, so we'll expect to see those conversations uh, dragging all the way uh, to the 12th of December and hoping to really yeah, get the best out of uh, this particular conference. But uh, it's always lovely to have you on and, and we always learn from each other you know, when you're here on the show and I know that you're our eyes and our ears in terms of all of these beautiful developments that affect me and you uh, here at home, especially when uh, we've seen this heat uh, play out this weekend uh, or last week into this weekend, now going into this week, a stark reminder uh, that we are part of a global community and we can't avoid uh, some of these conversations that are being held here. Uh, but it's always lovely to speak to you, Loazi. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, we'll chat soon. 
let's have a good week ahead. I think it's a great conversation. And I think, uh, like I said, the opportunity cost. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, no, really, really appreciate it. Uh, and really, don't be a stranger. Loazi Mangalele, the creative director at Africa Nobute, the organization, uh, coming through to speak to us about COP28 and a lot of those conversations are being held uh, there in Dubai. Uh, just really, when you look at it, we're part of a global community and the climate at the center of where we find ourselves here. We're struggling, navigating a heat wave, uh, but uh, just really, really a lot that has to do with the climate. There's that ambition, net zero 2050. So we'll tend to see uh, where we would be in 2050, uh, where uh, this particular globe uh, is concerned because there are a lot of disasters that are tending to play out here. How do we mitigate? You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.